one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Coming to you from the BTG studios in Rochester, New York, this is the Beyond the Game program, Sports Talk. Without the trash talk, good morning, everybody. I'm Rick Benson. With me, as always, is Zach Barletta. Zach, my great thanks to you for filling in for me last week. You and your brother did a terrific job talking football. Well, thank you. You guys covered the draft. And I listened to a couple shows. I was uh, out of town, as you know. I was at a sports ministry conference. I listened to a couple shows on my way back. I drove. It was in North Carolina. I drove there. So I was listening to a lot of sports talk. Radio. I, I've made that drive from North Carolina. That's a long drive. It was, but I, I loved it. It was a it was a fun drive. And of course, for me on the way home, I, I went from North Carolina, from Asheville, North Carolina, back to Rochester, New York, via Cincinnati, Ohio, for one reason. That's mm. where my daughter lives. So it was about two hours out of my way, but it was worth it. Anyway, the whole ride I'm listening to sports talk radio, and I got to be quite honest with you. I don't know that I heard anybody cover the draft as well as you did. Now, you you do a terrific job researching it. People from work seek you out for <laughs> information about the draft, but you guys you guys did a great job. It was fun. This uh, sports ministry conference got to see some old friends. I try to go every other year, and saw my good friend Bryce. Bryce Johnson, who does oh, yeah, from Unpacking, Unpacking it. it. He was uh, I saw him at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville a couple months ago. And then I saw him at the Reach Gathering, which is specifically for sports ministry. I went to one kind of as what we do here with the radio program, and the other one was for my job, you know, as a sports ministry director. But Bryce was at both, and it was interesting to talk to him. And I, I just gotta give a shout to the people that put together that Reach conference. Uh Guys like Tim Conrad, who head up, who heads up Uncharted Waters, uh, Bob Schindler, Church Sports Outreach, and uh, several others that are, are involved in that. But they did a terrific job. You could get a sense. I mean, just walking in, you can get a sense that at NRB it was business. A lot, a lot of business, uh, selling product. You know, getting connected. A lot of business. The reach gathering was ministry you could mm-hmm. you just feel the heart of the people involved there that what they were doing was using sports to advance the gospel of jesus christ and so many times we all share because you get to know people over the years as you get to going and other people from around the country that do sports ministry we all share this one thing that when you're on a church staff they all look at you as like well, you know, you just go play your games off in the corner, have a good time. You're just the fun guy that goes and, and plays games. And they don't mm-hmm. see the ministry in sportsmen. So it was so great to be around other people who, who get it. But it was a good time. And, again, I thank you for doing a great job in filling in for me. But it is great to be back with you here on the radio talking sports. And I have not talked sports. I listened to Sports Talk Radio. But I haven't really, since I got back and getting the sports park up and running, getting the fields ready, we had uh, 
state cup tournament coming in. We got all these events going on, and I haven't I haven't been watching much sports. I haven't even been talking much sports, and I haven't seen you, and that's who I like to talk. A couple of texts <laughs> here and there, but I know I haven't even been a good text person because you've texted me, and when do I get back to you? Two days later? <laughs> well, I, I'm pretty certain we're going to talk some sports for the next hour or so. I'd like to think so, but Infinity War came out, and we can't talk about that as much as I would like to because you <laughs> haven't seen it yet. I know, and I'm having to walk on eggshells on Facebook and Twitter because I don't want to accidentally read a spoiler. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted to see it right away, mm-hmm. and I saw it last Sunday. It was it was terrific. It was good. Now, I've told a lot of people this, and they ask me how it was. I says, i got to tell you, it was probably my least favorite Marvel movie. Really? Now, that said, it was pretty darn good. It was good. I have a hard time, and I don't think I'm giving anything away when I say this. Everybody knows there's a sequel. There's a, you know, it's a story being told in two parts. But mm-hmm. give me some sort of conclusion. Give me some sort of ending, and then pick up on another story. Like each of those movies kind of stood alone, but yet there was obvious that there would be sequels to them. Mm-hmm. They were part of an ongoing story. This just left me. Uh, more hanging than I would thought. Again, I'm, I'm trying mm. not to say too much, but it just—it was pretty terrific. Um, I do recommend seeing it. And when you want to go, I'll go. I'll go again. Awesome. Again, it was just my least favorite Marvel movie, but now I'm all psyched up because Solo comes out. Yeah, in just a few days or oh, a few weeks. I'm I'm so because yeah. you know that is my Han, Han Solo has been my favorite Star Wars character. Yeah. I remember as a kid, they used to have the Star Wars books and. There used to be standalone Han Solo stories, and I used to get them and read them. I'm sure I'm not, I'm not even sure if they were official Star Wars books. They were just stories about Han Solo, but I loved them. And and well, we came here to talk sports. Here I was complaining we'll, that we'll we haven't talked sports. sports. We'll get we're to talking, the sports. We're I, talking movies. I can't wait for Han Solo either. It's going to be weird not having it be Harrison Ford. My my middle son's name is Henrik Harrison. His middle name's Harrison after Harrison Ford. My wife's two favorite fictional characters are Han Solo and Indiana Jones. So that She's got she's got a bit of a crush then. Uh just a little bit, which I mean, <laughs> I'm cool with it, but like it's going to be weird seeing somebody other than Harrison Ford wearing the black vest and flying the Falcon around. Let's talk a little baseball, Zach. We are now what are we a month into the season, a little bit yeah, more. Basically. Talk about some of the things that uh, if 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 you're a Yankees fan, if you're a Red Sox fan, and many people around this parts so of Rochester, New York, where we're located, many people are fans of those two teams, which I don't really understand. Both of those are what six, seven hours away. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland Indians are closer. The Pittsburgh Pirates are closer. Toronto, the Toronto Blue Jays are probably the closest. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati is not all that much farther, maybe an hour or so far. There's a ton of teams that are actually closer than New York or Boston. And it drives me crazy, like in the MLB television package, yet mm-hmm. the Yankees are blacked out. There's all those teams closer to us, but yet yeah. they just look at the state borders, I suppose. I don't know what they look at. I have no idea. I It beats me, but it's frustrating. Because I have the MLB.TV package. And the only two teams that are blacked out from me are the Yankees and Mets, even though they're six hours away. <laughs> and many teams are closer. But if you are a fan of the Red Sox, if you are a fan of the Yankees, the baseball season is beginning to get it's beginning to get to be a lot of fun. It is. As the Yankees, uh, 
week, 10 days ago, seven, eight games behind, maybe seven and a half, I guess, is as far back as they got. But here they are right on the heels of the Red Sox Mm -hmm. with a series coming up next week with the Yankees Red Sox. I believe it's in New York, so that should be Mm – it's going to be exciting. I think it, it it's great baseball. This is exactly what we talked about, and I think when we made our preseason predictions, I saw the Red Sox winning this division, and I'm still going to hold to that. But the Yankees are on a stretch that they haven't been on in 20 years, yeah. winning at, at such a clip. And you had the Yankees winning the division, but what we both knew is that this was going to be a battle all the way through the season. For sure, absolutely. And that's what it's beginning to look like. The Central Division, the Indians are right where I thought they would be at the top. Getting swept by the Yankees? Is that That's where you thought they were going to be? <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that, but I'm a little surprised at what's happening in the West. Although you weren't, you were very excited about the Angels, and I thought they would be very competitive. I still think they're going to fall off, but I, I don't think they're going. They're obviously not a do- bottom dweller. That's not what I'm saying. They're going yeah. to fall off the cliff. They're just going not. Go- I don't see them being able to hold first place over the Astros throughout the course of the season. But here they are, in first, looking down at the Houston Astros. That's a shock to me. The Mariners are playing pretty well as I, mm-hmm. I thought they would, but the National League East is probably the biggest surprise to me. I don't maybe the whole National League is a surprise. It's topsy turvy over there. The Nationals I thought were the class of the National League East mm-hmm. and they are of course it's all it's all close. They're all within a couple of games uh, with the exception of the Marlins, but the Braves leading the pack, the Mets were there for the longest time and the Phillies who we all laughed at Gabe Kapler the beginning of the year, some of the, the goofy moves, and even one of his Phillies players was uh, questioning him. If What was the quote? If, if he would just get out of the way, we would mm-hmm. do better. But there they are among no. the top. Gabe Kapler's the one laughing now. He had a rough first week or so, but they've played pretty good baseball since then. And the Braves are they are going to be in the playoffs. They look great. They have so much young talent. As we've said for – well over a year now. They've got a ton mm-hmm. of young talent coming up, and it's showing. The Braves The Braves are terrific, but the National League West with the Los Angeles Dodgers, under five hundred, many games behind the Arizona Diamondbacks. A lot your, of injuries. Your Colorado Rockies, the injuries are, are just beating up the Dodgers, but the National League's crazy. It the is. The National League's not at all what I expected. And when we got out the Mets – I said this, the Mets were fun to watch. The first few weeks of the season, they were fun to watch. They were winning games in their last at-bats, and it's, and the Yankees were struggling. And then it's sort of somewhere along the line. It seems to have flip-flopped. Yeah, they went full Mets. The, the Yankees are winning games in, in their last at-bat. The Mets are, are, are struggling. And it's just a complete reversal. And I can't figure out why the Yankees struggled so much out of the gate. Maybe guys like Giancarlo Stanton were pressing, you know, wanting to impress a new market. But you and I talked, and the inconsistency, the cold weather, mm-hmm. and we both complained about why are you playing these games so early in the season? Push the season back, reduce the number of games, start it later. Nobody wants to see it in that inclement weather. But then you also had the idea of, Games not being consistent. You play a game, the next one gets rained out. Then 
you know, you play a game, the next two get rained out, snowed mm-hmm. out, whatever it is, and you couldn't get any consistency. Now that the weather is beginning to change, and it seems like the Yankees, they've played 14, 15 games in a row without a day off, mm-hmm. that consistent at-bat, and, and baseball such a, a muscle memory game, they're playing terrific. And I, I'm not sure they'll ever lose again. I started the season off, you know, tweeting out <laughs> – because the Yankees won their first game, yeah. I'm looking for 162 and 0. And then, then after that, it was like, all right, I'll settle for 161 and one. I'll settle for 160 and two. But now I'm back to thinking they're never going to lose again. One of the things I wanted to do, we didn't do it during our preview show. I wanted to look at some of the over unders. And now we're a couple of weeks into the season, and and maybe you can look at these and tell me if. This is what you originally thought. Maybe you think something's changed. Let's start with the Yankees. The Yankees over under um, was projected to be, looking it up here, 94 and a half. Is anything different in your eyes? Are you, are you over with them? Are you taking the under with at 94 and a half? I had, looking at what I had written down before the season, I had the over and I'm sticking with the over, I think. That's a lot of that's a lot of wins in what I think is a tough division, but I, I would be I would be honest and say at the beginning of the season, um, I would have said under, but I think I I've changed and now, um, and, and I shouldn't get too excited over a few games a, a stretch of the season, but they're winning games in ways that I think can really excite a team, really gel a team. So I. I I'm going to change my mind a little bit. I would have taken under just because they play in that tough division. The Mets are 81. Uh, that's their pro- projected win total for 20, 2018. Anything different for you? Would you have taken over? Would you have taken under? I actually had a push because I had them at 81, and I think I'm going to stick with that. You know, we talked before the season about it. They had a lot of talent. The pitching was finally healthy. Um, they looked like a pretty good team. But I just sort of, because they're the Mets, I just assume there's going to be a bunch of injuries. And there have been injuries. There's been the ineffectiveness of Matt Harvey, now former Met Matt Harvey. And I just, they're the Mets. They're going to win 81 games. L.A. Dodgers are 96 and a half. I would have said over. I would have thought they would have pushed 100 wins. I was really big on the Dodgers. But looking at it now based on all the injuries, I, I still believe in the Dodgers. I still think they can win that division. But with all the injuries, I don't I don't see them being over 96 and a half. I had them just under at 95 wins um, just because of how tough that division is with Arizona and Colorado. But, I mean, now they're going to be without Clayton Kershaw for a while. Some of their other pitchers are having injury trouble. Uh, they've lost Corey Seager for the season. I just don't see how they get that high. Red Sox were 91 and a half. I had them over. I still believe over. I had them under at 87, which looks pretty bad right now. But I had similar concerns to what I had with the Mets, where David Price's elbow is still a question mark. Um, the The rest of the rotation after those two guys and Porcello is a question mark. The, the bottom of their lineup, I just don't know about. So I had projected them at 87. I would probably have to go higher now. This one will be interesting. The Philadelphia Phillies, 75 and a half. They're pressing the Braves. They're a few games over 500. Um, I would have said under, even though at 71 and a half, but, uh, or excuse me, 75 and a half. Uh, now I'm thinking over. 
Well, it would be hard to project them because last year they won 66 games. So if you're putting them at, you know, 70, was it 71 and a half, 75 and a half, that's a pretty big jump. I actually had them at 82 wins, the Phillies, which I think, like you said, just a few games over 500. That feels right to me still. Still feels right to me. All right, Zach, let's hit our first break. It's been a few weeks since I've been in the studio. I'm very much looking forward to go through some of your shenanigan statements. We'll tell you what it is that we like this week, plus more coming up today on the Beyond the Game program, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. Talked a little baseball. Actually talked a lot of baseball there in the opening. Felt good. I love it. Mentioned Matt Harvey of the New York Mets, and you made the comment, former Matt Harvey, having been designated for assignment. And that's that cat is, I can't figure him out. And it's interesting that we did a segment where we talked about him almost Two years to the day. It was the Memorial Day show in 2016. I'd like to replay that clip here in a couple of minutes. But he was a guy that is in the walk-off year of his contract. One of the reasons that I thought the Mets were going to be a competitive team is that pitching staff has been, man, we've been hearing about it for years, how great it's going to be, how great it's going to be. Going to be, and, and they've been hurt by injuries. And I just thought that this might be the year that they are extra motivated, if you will, to to perform well. And especially Matt Harvey, he had so much to prove, mm-hmm. especially in the walk off year of a contract that I would have thought this guy is going to be dialed in. He's going to have a great year, but then to be at a nightclub out a, a, a night or two before your start or that just makes no sense to me. That is somebody, you are getting bad advice from the people around you if you thought that was a good idea to go out to an L.A. nightclub a night or two before your start. Yeah, there's going to be pictures of you all over the Internet. And I just, you know, so often we see these athletes who we say are old enough to know better and we wonder, they just don't get it. Why don't they get it? And Harvey just seems like a guy to me who just doesn't get it. You know, he's he plays in the the big city in New York City. He's a New York Met. He's been around a long time. He used to be an elite pitcher and you know, he's you feel bad for him because he suffered these injuries, the Tommy John and the thoracic outlet and stuff and 
you want to see him succeed, but he just doesn't seem to get it. I think it was his rookie year when he had an arm injury and the Mets wanted him to stay at uh, extended spring training. And there was a there was friction between him and the club because he wanted to go to New York. And I think that whole dark night thing when he was coming up as a rookie, all oh, the dark night, the nickname, the 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 persona and everything mm-hmm. that went with it just went to this man's head because I he just seems to be uh, as if he feels like he's above the rules. As if they don't apply to him. Absolutely. I still think he wants to be that Dark Knight character that he was where he is living large. And, you know, I think he got by largely on natural talent before his injuries. And he didn't have to really work at his craft because he could throw so hard and got such great movement. But now that the injuries have sort of robbed him of that, he doesn't seem like a guy that's put in any work to become a better pitcher. You know, and... He's still trying to throw gas by guys, and it's not working. And uh, you'd like to see him have a CC Sabathia year where he figures out how to pitch with lesser stuff, but it doesn't look like we're going to see it. Yeah, and, and it's too bad because there's a guy that, boy, the Mets could have really used, mm-hmm. a guy with a ton of talent that could have carried that team. And you're already in New York City, and if you're looking for a big contract, man, what better place to get the exposure but also, you know, get the negative exposure when mm-hmm. you're there, too. And I thought it was interesting to hear Sandy Alderson, when he was asked about it, if he was uh, – I think the the reporter may have asked, were you surprised? And his comment was telling and said, I would be surprised if I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. And that just told you, I, I, I believe this guy's going to go off and do these sort of things. So I, I'm mm-hmm. not surprised. I'm not shocked. But I've had enough. And now he's designated for assignment. But let's play that clip from uh, Memorial Day weekend in 2016. I just think it's interesting, and we do make a, a spiritual application to it. So let's play that clip. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Rick Benson here with those guys. Glad to have you along on this Memorial Day weekend 2016. As a sports fan, sometimes there's things that happen in sports that reveal things about myself which I don't care for much. For instance, a week or so ago, Jose Bautista gets popped by Rognan Odor, and my first response was one of delight. Yes. I'm not positive, but there may have may have even been a bit of muffled chuckle which escaped just as a natural result of the glee I felt over I just I love that picture of his face all scrunched up. The still was just stopped at the right moment, scrunched up by the impact of Odor's fist. Jose Bautista, who in a, I don't know, maybe a David Ortiz way, has come to expect this special set of playing rules, special guidelines to apply to him that don't apply to the most of the rest of the players in the league. Special rules for him because, you know, he's a special person. He deserves special rules. His mom told him that. Jose Bautista, whose cockiness, whose arrogance just leaves a heavy layer of frost on my fanny, especially <laughs> especially when his club has had absolutely zero success to show for it. Granted, they won a division title last year. And by success, I mean a World Series title. At least more than just that divisional crown. At least Ortiz, David Ortiz has enjoyed success both individually and with the Red Sox as a whole. Mm-hmm. 
But as a believer in Christ, I know that everything about that Odor Bautista situation, man, it'd just be a poor reflection of Christ. It's certainly not a good example of biblical values or spiritual maturity. I ought not to be finding enjoyment in the fact that one man punched another man out of anger. But it's happening again, and, and, and deep down I'm enjoying it in another person's struggles and failures. Yes, I'm familiar with Proverbs 17.5, which says, Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker, he who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. I'm aware of that. Also aware of Proverbs 24.17. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Yet there it is, that human nature we all struggle with, and I'm loving, I'm absolutely loving that Matt Harvey stinks right now. I, <laughs> I, I love it. Is that wrong? Hater. Of course it's wrong. It's, it's wrong for me to love that Jose Potista got popped. It's wrong for me to love that Matt Harvey is struggling. I think it's the same thing about Matt Harvey that bothers me so much about guys like Bautista and Ortiz. They're just so, I don't know, what would you say, smug? They seem to think they're just so special. And I I guess I can't really explain it because they're, I guess there are special rules for special players, but I suppose what I dislike is when they, they expect it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just the sense I get from guys like that. All right, I don't want to, but you guys are making me do it. I have no choice but to bring up Derek Jeter. There's a special player who got special treatment, but it doesn't need to be expected. It doesn't need to be doesn't need to be demanded. Just let it come to you. Be like Jeets, man. Batista and Ortiz get they get they seem to get so indignant when they get an inside pitch as if to say, How dare they? How do, do they know who I am? Similarly, Matt Harvey is expected the Mets to kiss his privileged rear end since he broke in as a rookie. Remember when, when he was injured a few years ago? The Mets wanted him to rehab in Florida. But Harvey was upset because he wanted to rehab in New York and be with the team. It's part of the New York life, nightlife. He you know, just wasn't into the early bird special at Stacy's Buffet in Florida with all the blue hairs. You know? It wasn't his idea of a good time. There have been a number of other little, I don't know, challenges maybe that Harvey has made to the team in an attempt to flex his muscle and demand that, that he gets things his way. He's currently three and seven, an ERA over six, and I'm not sure if I could 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 be any happier. Oh wait, yes I am. He could be winless. I'd enjoy that. <laughs> but this is this is when the Holy Spirit leans on me and reminds me of Proverbs twenty four seventeen. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not not that he's my enemy, but let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. And because I'm holier than than you two vows. I get convicted, and I ask God to forgive my sinful heart. I'm sorry, Lord, for rejoicing in Matt Harvey's ballooning ERA. <laughs> I ought not to rejoice in it. Okay, just one more, and then I'll, I'll ask again to be forgiven. After this most recent loss, he bolted the clubhouse. They call him the Dark Knight. Please, come on. Bolting the clubhouse? Back in March, you might remember, he also refused to talk with re- reporters because he was upset that headlines about his bladder infection. You're pitching in New York. You're going to have headlines over your stubbed toe. He claimed that this bladder infection was the result of not urinating frequently enough. You don't think the New York papers are going to be all over this? <laughs> and here's the thing. He didn't have to say that. Right. He didn't. He's the one who brought it up and said, yeah, I didn't pee enough and my bladder got infected. What did he think was going to happen? And you're right. He brought it on himself. And when a guy like Harvey struggles, 
they do bring the negative press on, on themselves because of the way they demand the attention during the good times. Sometimes wanting the attention isn't always a good thing, so be careful what you ask for. But now he seems to have put this self-imposed gag order after another subpar outing against the Nationals this week. He gave up three home runs, including a second-deck bomb to former Met Daniel Murphy. Mets captain David Wright said, you want to be a stand-up guy, and this is a little blip on the radar screen. Hopefully we all learn from it and don't make the same mistake again. Wright told reporters he didn't really care for Harvey's reaction that he might, he might have a talk with him. He's, of course, protecting his guy. You know, that's what a captain does. But this isn't really a little blip on the radar. And if it is, it's a number of little blips that make one big blip. David Wright's doing what leaders do. ESPN's Buster Only had a good article. He writes that many players have approached him over the years after a tough game to find out. They ask him only if a struggling teammate had answered questions from the media. What the, what that leader wants to know, it, it's he only says it's like a big brother checking on the behavior of a little brother because the vast majority of Major League Baseball players have viewed this as an important test of accountability to stand there and answer to the media and give an, uh, give an account. Accountability is a key biblical characteristic. As believers, we should all have someone in our lives to whom we are accountable, someone who cares enough to ask the tough questions, which keeps us above reproach and from slipping deeper into sin. What veteran players know is that when a player opts not to talk, and we talked about this oh, a couple months ago, I can't remember in regards to whom, but they allow others to write the narrative. If you're not going to stand there in front of the reporters and give a story, you're allowing the reporters to write the story any way they want. Uh, never leave it in the hands of the media to tell your story, because if you do, you have no right to complain later. I suppose I'm picking on Matt Harvey, perhaps maybe a little bit more than I should, but I just, I've always felt he's one of those players who have been blessed with all kinds of talent, but he's got this attitude that just sort of creates headaches for his club. The reality is, I think Matt Harvey's going to be just fine. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, you know, the Mets are not going to take him out of the rotation. I've heard those reports. They're not going to send him down to the minors. I mean, those things are just ridiculous. Those things aren't going to happen. Maybe they come up with some excuse. Oh, he's got this whatever injury, and they put him on the DL and give him a chance to regroup and maybe even work in a rehab start. Maybe that happens. That's what they need to do. But as long as Harvey's healthy, the smart money says he's going to be just fine. I mean, he'll figure it out, and he'll probably be better for it. The guy entered this season with a career ERA of 2.5, or right around 2.5. A little higher now. It's not like he doesn't have the talent. This is the most he's struggled in his major league career. But he's not the first player to suffer through a slump and certainly won't be the last. He's not even the only one. The reigning AL Cy Young, uh, Dallas Keuchel, he has an ERA knocking on six himself. In a nutshell, I, th- I think it's a bit magnified for two reasons, this thing with Harvey. One, he plays in New York where there are reporters who cover other reporters. And two, he's a bit of a jerk. You know, that's just always going to get you that unwanted attention. And even though my dark side is rejoicing that Harvey stinks right now, I think it's just a slump. I think he's going to be fine. Most athletes go through times when it's just not happening for them. Shots don't fall, putts don't drop, pitches miss the mark, whatever it is. Top athletes work through it. That's what makes them top athletes. 
Chances are, if you've played any sport, you've experienced some times when things just aren't going your way. It's natural to begin to press and even feel somewhat isolated, and maybe that everyone is watching and you're letting them down. I think that just sort of comes natural when you're going through a slump. But you can go through slumps in sports, in your job, in your personal life, going through times when life just seems dull or even that you feel, I don't know, sort of just sort of out of sorts, I guess. <laughs> you know, you just feel not quite right about yourself. It happens in your spiritual life. Perhaps your Bible reading seems dry. Maybe God seems distant when you pray and those feelings of isolation start creeping in. Your walk with Christ has maybe lost its luster somehow. Oh, okay. It's just me. It doesn't happen to you guys. <laughs> Not once. Oh, no, Benson. I'm a true giant in the faith. I read my Bible all day long. I only have joy in my heart. Come on. It happens to all of us. In the Bible, even King David went through a slump, if you will. A man after God's own heart. That was a big slump. God had given David great victories. He defeated Goliath. He won numerous battles. He's the chosen king. And yet there were times when David didn't feel God's presence. When he was in a slump, it, it just wasn't happening for him. Uh, here, here's the time. He begins the 22nd Psalm by writing this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. David's feeling isolated. He's feeling distant. And as Christians, I think most of us would admit going through such, such seasons at times. Time with God feels fruitless. We feel alone, perhaps even questioning if God is listening. And just like Matt, what, what Matt Harvey may be doing, I think it's a good idea to review your mechanics. What's changed? What am I doing differently? Get back to the basics. Could there be unconfessed sin in your life? Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. If you stopped reading Psalms 22 after those first few verses, you'd probably be discouraged. You'd wonder why God would forsake the one after his own heart. And if that's the case... He's certainly not going to care about you or me if he doesn't care about David, but he does care. Keep reading. When you get down around verse 21, you see that while David may have questioned, he's confident, though, that God is always there, and he has faith that he will deliver him. Regardless of how things may seem or the slump that he's in, God is faithful. Psalm 22:26 reads like a pitcher breaking a bad slump with eight innings of shutout ball and double-digit strikeouts. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. As Moses told the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, The Lord your God who goes with you, he will not leave or forsake you. God has not forgotten any of his promise. And that same promise is true for us today. God is always there for those who seek after him. During a slump, athletes will continue to train in order to push through those slumps. The hits will eventually start falling again. The, pitchers, the pitches will hit their mark. And as Christians, we should be encouraged by the scripture, by what David and others experienced. Get back to the basics. Review the mechanics of your walk with Christ. But, go, but know this, that God will never abandon you. Relax, Met fans. I believe Matt Harvey's going to work it out and get back to form. And if you are a believer in Christ going through a tough time or a bit of a dry spell, 
I believe the same for you. Don't just fold up the tents and go home. Don't abandon your faith. Simply trust in God and lean even more on His promises. Dig into His Word and know that He will never abandon you. There you have it from two years ago, Memorial Day weekend 2016. We're still, two years later, talking about Matt Harvey. Coming up after the break, we're going to do shenanigans. Come on back. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Looking back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through May 3rd. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. As the end of the semester continues to draw closer and closer, the athletic season is winding down for the Red Hawks of Roberts Wesleyan College. While there was not much happening this past week, there was a significantly important women's lacrosse game as Roberts tried to get past number four Malloy College and in the process earned their first ever East Coast Conference postseason victory. Roberts was making it their second straight appearance in the ECC Championship Tournament. However, it wasn't the B as the Red Hawks fell this past Tuesday, 21-13, in their quarterfinal match. Freshman Emily Tomei and Taylor Nathan both had three goals to lead the scoring, and junior Megan Burnham added two goals with an assist. No home action this week for the Red Hawks, but you can follow the men's golf team online as they compete this week at the NCAA Regionals in Daniels, West Virginia. The track teams will also be competing nationally as they head to Winona Lake, Indiana for the NCCAA Outdoor Nationals. You can see a full schedule of Red Hawks games at their website, robertsredhawks.com. You'll also find plenty of other news regarding Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics as well as scores, games, highlights, and more. And don't forget that you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Glad to have you along here on the Beyond the Game program. Talking sports from a faith-based point of view. This is one of my favorite parts of the program where we get to talk about some shenanigans. But our programs act, before we get to that, our podcast is downloaded. It, it amazes me. Even last week's show was was South um, South Africa. I forget the town. I, well, truth is, I can't pronounce the town. But the town <laughs> in South Africa downloaded the podcast. It's downloaded all across the United States, including places like Milford, Pennsylvania, who listened to the show you did with your brother last week. And Milford, I know of. Milford is not all that far from where I grew up, just on the other side of Port Jervis, New York. It's in an area that Route 209 comes into. And it's interesting because New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania all converge there. And as teenagers, we used to go and compete in uh, tri-state Bible quizzes and, and, and these sorts of things. But I was playing in a softball league in Milford, Pennsylvania. We had a game in Milford, Pennsylvania, and I was playing second base. My buddy was playing first. Balls hit the right field. The batter's rounding first, and you just heard a sound that was just hideous as his legs snapped. 
Oof. And he went down in a heap. Well, the ball, I'm second base. I'm going out to right field for the cutoff. Ball comes in to me. I have no idea what to do. Now, remember, I'm 19 years old, 20 years old at this point, you know. I have no idea what to do. Here's this guy laying on the ground in an obvious lot of pain, and the umpire is actually looking at me. So I kind of wander over and just sort of put the tag on the guy, and the <laughs> umpire yells, out! <laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding, ump. And I felt bad, but the umpire is looking at me like I need to finish the play. I mean, it's church league softball. Yeah. This is so foolish, but, I'm, you know, when you're 19, you're 20, you're – that's how you are. Anyway, Zach, thanks for listening in Milford, Pennsylvania, wherever you're listening to. Don't uh, snap your leg in half playing uh, softball. That was a hideous sound, I'm telling you. Zach, give us this week's shenanigan statements. All right, number one, the season-ending injury suffered by Dodgers shortstop Corey Seager means the Dodgers will start working on a trade for Manny Machado. I would think so. Although as time goes on, they've got other things they're building they're going to have to start worrying about. Mm-hmm. That's a That's a tough injury. Uh, man, to lose Corey Seager for the year, man, uh, that's hard for the Dodgers. I would think they'd want to work out something. I, the Orioles are still saying they don't want to trade him, but why would you not at this point? Yeah. He's going to walk. You're going to lose not... one of the five best players on the planet for nothing if you don't. Right. Get something for him. Make that trade, and you've got a, a team like the Dodgers who probably are feeling like, this is their opportunity. This is their window. We talked mm-hmm. to Turner Ward a few weeks ago, their hitting coach here on the program, and a lot of optimism about the Dodgers. You got a team that's probably feeling a little desperate to make some sort of move before their chances slip away. Yeah. And, I mean, look, Machado has said he wants to play shortstop wherever he goes. He could play shortstop for the rest of the year, and if he gets a taste of winning championships and winning in the playoffs – Maybe he's more open to re-signing and playing third base there next to Corey Seager next year. You would think. I Yeah, I definitely think that the Dodgers will start. I agree with it. Sure I agree as well. I agree as well, and I wouldn't be shocked if they've already made the call even before the injury. But, I mean, this is a Dodger team that's they're in their window. You know, Clayton Kershaw is not getting any younger. Rich Hill is up there in years. Um, Justin Turner is getting older. This is a team, you know, Matt Kemp, they've got to win now because there's going to be a lot of roster turnover in the coming years. They have money to throw around. They have prospects to trade. If you're the Dodgers, you've got to be seriously looking into If you can replace an all-star shortstop with an all-star shortstop, I think you have to do it. So I would say absolutely 100%. I think they'll at least look into it. I, I would think, it, especially from the Dodgers' perspective, but it's the Orioles' perspective that just sometimes you just scratch your head. That organization, man, they can be belligerent and dig their heels in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand fully what they do sometimes. I don't think they do either. <laughs> they are a mystery. Number two, speaking of the Dodgers, they're one of a handful of expected contenders who find themselves trailing in their divisions. As of this writing, the Twins, Nationals, Dodgers, Cardinals, and Rockies are all in third place or lower. Truth or shenanigans, of those teams, the Nationals are the most likely to rebound. I agree with that statement. Now, a couple of those teams that you mentioned there, the Nationals being one of them, they might be in third place or lower, but they're within two or three games of the top. Mm-hmm. Those are those are log jams, a couple of those divisions. I think the Dodgers are, excuse me, the Nationals are well-equipped. Uh, I think Bryce Harper, he's having a great, I, I just think it, it's, 
going to take a little bit of time for them to come together. I'm a little surprised that it's taking this long, but look, if you get your losing out of the way early, every team goes through streaks. Every team goes through tough times of their season. If the Nationals are getting out, getting that out of the way early, then good luck to the rest of the National League, but I'm still pretty high in the Nationals. The Dodgers, I'd like to say, are likely to rebound. I just Boy, I'll tell you, the injuries are, are an issue, and they keep they keep mounting, and I don't know that they can overcome that. But So, yeah, I agree with the statement. I think the Nationals are that team. I agree as well, and it's really not as close as it was when I thought up this question earlier in the week. The Dodgers now have lost Seager and Kershaw. Um, Seager won't be back this year. We're not 100% sure when Kershaw will. Um, I liked the Cardinals. Um because of their young pitching, but I mean, Luke Weaver hasn't been great recently, and they keep trotting the corpse of Adam Wainwright out there every fifth day. I just, I think of those teams, the Twins, I was really high on coming into the year, and they look bad. So I, I think I have to agree with you and say the Nationals as well. Number three, truth or shenanigans, the Atlanta Braves will win their division. Shenanigans. Just for the reasons we just said, the Nationals are going to rebound. The Braves are good. They, as we said earlier in the program in our opening segment, they've got a ton of young talent, and, mm-hmm. and that talent is as advertised or better. However, I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to play that well over the course of 162 games. The dog days of summer, as, as they say, are always telling, and I think the Nationals are probably better equipped to get through that part of the season than are the Braves. Um. I agree with you. I say shenanigans to the statement. I do think, as I said earlier in the show, I do think the Braves will be in the playoffs or at least on the cusp of it. But I think when you look at a team like Atlanta, so much of their what is driving them right now is their young players, several of whom have never played a major league length season before. And I think when you get into the month of September, when these guys are used to their seasons ending, I think you might see a little bit of a stumble then that would take them out of the first place in the division. But the Nationals, like we talked about, are loaded, and um, they're going to win that division, I think, pretty handily. But the Braves, I think, are going to be in the discussion. Number four, the Arizona Cardinals' first-round pick quarterback, Josh Rosen, will be the first of this year's drafted quarterbacks to play in an NFL game. I'm going to say I agree. I had to think. I was just about to say shenanigans when a I thought you were asking if he was the only quarterback to play in an NFL game, and I thought, no, the the, the others will get in, but will he be the first? Absolutely. I think the Cardinals are going to give him every opportunity to have that job from the get-go. Yeah, I agree with you, and I agree with the statement. I think that I think pretty much every first-round quarterback will get, and probably the other quarterbacks too, will get into games this year. But Josh Rosen, the only thing in his way – is Sam Bradford, who has knees made of glass, and Mike Glennon, who's objectively terrible. So there's there's a chance he wins the job in camp, but if not, he could be in on the second drive of the season. So absolutely, I agree. Josh Rosen's the first quarterback to see the field. He's, I don't know, would you think he's the most NFL ready? Absolutely. Yeah, he was my number one quarterback in the draft. I, I'm a big Josh Rosen fan. and Well, let's pause here for a second because... You were at first a little disappointed in the Bills taking of Josh Allen. Yeah. And I was 
that's the guy I wanted for the Giants. I thought they had to make a decision to move past Eli. Look, the Giants got a great player. They got a great running back. Mm-hmm. But I think they're banking an awful lot on Eli or what they're able to do after Eli, whether it's sign somebody else's guy. I, I don't know what they're thinking, but apparently they weren't looking for a rookie quarterback. But I, as a fan, I wanted Josh Allen. I know there's some talk about his accuracy. I know there's some talk about his raw talent, but that talent has such high ceiling. And yet you were disappointed, but you've started backpedaling a little bit. I have started to come around, and I'll be honest, um, I've done a lot more scouting of his like his game tape and stuff since the draft than before. And I like a lot of what I've seen. Um, I've listened to a lot of scouts who are a lot smarter than I am say that, um, you know, some of his inaccuracy was caused by the play calling. Some of it was caused by the fact that he was on a garbage team and he was most of the offense and he was making hero throws, trying to save plays and stuff. Um, bit of a gunslinger type, a little bit. Yeah. Some of the things that still give me cause for concern is that he may have to do that this year on the bills offense because that offensive line was just rebuilt from scratch. But um, you know, I do agree the talent, he might be the most talented quarterback in the draft. I just think that, um, I would have preferred somebody like Josh Rosen who could start right away. With that said, I have ordered my Josh Allen jersey. I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. <laughs> of course you have. And, uh, we'll see what happens. Next, after the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall, his agent revealed that the Patriots had been ready to trade up for Mayfield had he still been available at number two. Truth or shenanigans, the Patriots' desire for Mayfield is proof that Tom Brady is going to retire soon. What do you think? I say shenanigans. Um, Because agents are liars. Agents are liars. Agents like to put out misinformation. Teams like to put out misinformation. The Patriots love to put out misinformation. And to be honest, I'm not convinced that that wasn't just a smokescreen in the first place. Um, If I was the Patriots and every team in my division was looking to get a quarterback this offseason, I think I would be calling around trying to drive up the price for my competition. So uh, especially a guy like Belichick who loves to do all the little things to make things uncomfortable for other teams. So, you know, I'm not even convinced that the rumor is 100% true, but Tom Brady doesn't seem like he's slowing down, and he seems like he wants to play several more years. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that, truth or shenanigans. Um, I don't think that Mayfield, the Patriots' desire for Mayfield is proof that Brady plans to retire soon. I just think his age is proof that he's going to retire soon. Mm -hmm. I know it doesn't seem like he's slowing down. He's still playing great. But at some point, man, he's got to. It's just nature. The body's going to be breaking down. You've. I just, uh, Tom Brady's not going to play forever. Yeah, he's going to retire. But I, like you, don't really buy into it. I just don't see the Patriots trading all the way up to try to get it. It doesn't seem like the Patriots to me. It doesn't. And to be honest, I don't know how they could have. They had two draft picks in the 20s. And how they thought they would get from the 20s up to number two. People were saying the Bills couldn't do it. And the Bills had pick number 12 to offer. Uh, unless they were willing to trade Rob Gronkowski, I just don't know how they could have gotten up there. So to me, it seemed like a smokescreen. Agreed. Last but not least, the Vegas Golden Knights continue to prove their doubters wrong. At this point, they have to be considered legit contenders to be Stanley Cup champs. Yes, I agree. They have to be. We've been saying it all year. 
They're going to slow down at some point. There's no way they can continue to play this good. This is a, a, a team of cast-offs from other teams. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, expansion isn't like it once was. You know, mm-hmm. it used to be where all that was on the expansion list were scrubs, you know, really the bottom of the barrel guys. Mm-hmm. And now teams can only protect so much because the, the cost to get into the league is so high that they're getting good players in exchange for that high cost of getting in. But even so, you're taking teams that – guys that other teams left unprotected, guys that hadn't played together, and yet here they are at some point, yeah, go ahead, win the cup, lift lift it up, you know. You might as well. You've done everything else this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm rooting for it now just for the storyline, you know. I can't wait for the 30 for 30 on ESPN about the, the expansion champions. But you know what? I've doubted them all year. I think I we've talked about them a lot on the show this year. I've brought them up in shenanigans a few times, and I've said, oh, shenanigans, you know, they're they're going to come back to earth and stuff. Well, here they are. We're watching them on TV right now. they got a 3-2 series lead in the second round, and they're, they've got a one-goal lead. So... By the time this airs, they could have moved on to the next round of the postseason. You know, they're, I just think it's time to stop doubting them and embrace it. Yeah, absolutely. Here we are a couple of rounds from the Stanley Cup saying now is the time to stop, yeah. stop, you know, doubting them. When we come back, we're going to close up the show. Zach is, uh, Zach and I are both going to tell you what it is that we like this week. This is Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play, or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson and Zach Barletta taking you through the hour. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say what you want about Arizona quarterback Josh Rosen, just drafted by Arizona. Some question his maturity, others even his character. After all, after having a hot tub put into his dorm room, after wearing a baseball cap critical of what was then presidential candidate Donald Trump, on a golf course, by the way, owned by Donald Trump, no less, Rosen has invited some criticism. At mm-hmm. times. And then, of course, after he slipped all the way to number 10, where Arizona traded up to get him, Rosen showed his frustration by saying how nine mistakes had taken place in front of him, which you got to think if you're Arizona, that's not what you want to be hearing from the guy you just drafted. Can't imagine they were too thrilled hearing uh, the suggested displeasure that he had in going to them. But there's always another side of people that we don't hear about. Rosen recently took his mom out for some sushi at an Arizona restaurant. The bill came to $94.50, but Rosen left the waiter a tip of 
$100 on a tab that was $94.50. He added a tip of $300 with a note that read, hashtag Hugs from Holly Day. If you're wondering about Hugs from Holly Day, you may recall that last year sometime, former Cardinals tight end Todd Heap accidentally ran over and killed his three-year-old daughter with his truck. Following the tragedy, the Heap family began a movement called Hugs from Holly Day, which falls on May 3rd to remember and celebrate the child's birthday. Josh Rosen's generosity, his kindness, as support of Hugs from Holly Day is what I like, you like this that? week. That's pretty impressive, considering he's only been a cardinal for, what is it, like 10 days now? And it was an Arizona restaurant that he was at with his mom. Terrific story. Well done, Josh Rosen. I think it's just cool to see a grown adult son go out to lunch with his mom. Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, um, mine is Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier, or rather what the Steelers did for Ryan Shazier. You may remember he had that hit on the field where he was... They thought he'd be paralyzed and never walk again. And then you fast forward a year and he walked out on stage for the Steelers pick in the draft. Um, well, the Steelers recently converted eight and a quarter million of his 8.71 base salary for this year into a signing bonus, meaning it's guaranteed and he'll receive it immediately. That's courtesy of ESPN's Field Yates. Look, he's not going to play. He's just recently started walking again. But for the Steelers to guarantee that money to him, that was a pretty classy move by a classy organization, like and that's that. what I like this week. You like that. that is classy, and they've always been a classy organization. Mm. You can question some of the players at times, as, as is the case with any franchise. But overall, that's that's been a classy, classy organization. This has been the Beyond the Game program. Thanks so much for being with us today. I'd like to ask you to consider partnering with our team here at Beyond the Game to bring the gospel to thousands of listeners through Sports Talk Radio each and every week. Many of those listeners, in fact, hearing it for the very first time on Secular Radio. This show doesn't happen without the financial support of listeners like you. Please consider making a donation to this radio ministry. If you have a business, advertise with us here at Beyond the Game. The Bible says in Isaiah 55:11, So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God's word does not return void. And when we share it each week on Sports Talk Radio, our prayers and our faith is that the hearer will be impacted by it. Be a part of that. If you will, consider making that donation. For more information or to make a donation, visit our website, btgprogram.com. That's btgprogram.com. There you'll also find information about the show itself, past broadcasts. You can listen to detailed information about how you can know Jesus Christ personally, and receive forgiveness of sins. And don't forget, Zach has another show. Check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. Our producer and his brother Spencer put a ton of work in to share with you some really, really cool stories. Give them a listen. Myth and Mysteries. It's available on iTunes and Google Play or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, We'll be back together again right here next week at this very same time. Be gold. Be gold. Be gold. (laughs) Be bold. And be great this week, everybody. 